It's also but not it, a trivial yeah. thing to lie about. Like that's a pretty pretty major event yeah, in US yeah. history. People are going to check and follow yeah, exactly. up on that. Yeah. There's a there's a there's like a 4th of July like barbecue block party and and it's in 1980s and they're playing pitbull like blaring pitbull as i like got up to go through something out he came up and picked picked me up and put him on his shoulder and said look i'm cleaning my ears out with a q-tip and then like would it like started shaking me around and then put me in the in the trash I don't know, the teacher's like jumping in front of the screen trying to be like, oh, ha, 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 and like knives are flying, and like Chris Evans is like being all broody and like talking about murder. Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Uh, my name is Danny. As per usual, I am joined by Samson. However, this week we have a special guest star. Why don't you go and introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Tim. I'm excited to be here, ready Hello. to be bored and be browsing. Yeah, of course. So Sean is unable to be here this week due to unforeseen complications. He was bitten by a vampire and accidentally went out into the sun. So we're going to have to deal with the ashes in the next few weeks, but hopefully he'll be back to normal soon. We're looking for a cure into that, but we'll see what's going on. Um, So because of the fact that Sean was busy and we weren't able to see him much, we actually couldn't watch any High School Musical, the musical, the series, which means that we're going to have to hold off on giving some updates on that for the next week or so. Um, But otherwise, aside from that, there's not really any major changes. Uh, I do have one last update to give of old news before we start diving into new stuff. Last week, I talked about how I hate zombies more than anything else in the world, which is true. But I did realize there's one zombie show that I highly recommend, and because I highly recommend it and hate zombies, I think it's worth mentioning, and that is The Santa Clarita Diet. Have you guys seen that show? I haven't. I've heard things about it. I've wanted to watch it more or less because I think that's the one with Drew Barrymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to see it because I thought it'd be really funny to see Drew Barrymore eating people. Yeah. Especially coming off of my big childhood movie of E.T. So <laughs> that's a bit, that was a big uh, point of interest for me. Okay, so the concept of the show is Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant. The two of them have incredible chemistry together, so they're unbelievably hilarious. They're living in California as like a suburban couple. And Drew Barrymore dies, but she comes back to life as a zombie. So now it's them just trying to live their normal life as a suburban couple but also she kills and eats people. So Timothy Oliphant is going through like his own mental collapse as he's trying to help his wife, but at the same time doesn't want to be guilty of murdering people. Their daughter realizes life isn't important and just kind of says fuck all of it and goes off. Um, and they also have a Skylar Gizondo who who's a uh, looks like the teen actress. He's been he's been in a lot of different shows and movies recently. He was in Booksmart. As like he was, he played like an Uber driver for a very short portion of it. Oh. Um, I'm trying to think what else he's been in, but he's been in a lot of roles, and he is unbelievably hilarious. So the four of them as a cast, just going through like living day to day with zombies, is unbelievably hilarious. And I've laughed so much at this show; I cannot recommend it enough. Wow. So, yeah, cool. that got canceled too, didn't it? It did get canceled on an unfortunate cliff note. Um, cliffhanger so I was very disappointed at that because I thought it would stick around for a couple more seasons you gotta hate oh, it when shows bad. cancel on a cliffhanger do you guys know any shows personally where you're like I can't believe they canceled that oh Ooh. 
I got really, really into My Name is Earl when I was 12 years old. And they leave that show on a giant cliffhanger. Like, I can't even remember what it is. I think... I can't remember what it is, but it was it was brutal, and I was I was very upset that they left it on that note. I was upset when I got into the show The Get Down mm. on Netflix, uh, which is like a it was a Baz Luhrmann project about like hip hop in like the late seventies, like right around the time when like it's getting really big, and they end the show off in just such in just such a way that I was like I. I wish that they had gone into more, or at least they had more to do, because it was just like the most extravagant. Like everything was just blasting with color. Everybody's running around, and like you know, they have these amazing like uh, rap numbers in there that is like fully choreographed. And then like after the first season, they're like, "Yeah, no more. We don't need to do this anymore." Mm. More or less because it was super expensive. Yeah, which is always a bummer, but. I was thinking of the show Firefly. Have you guys seen Firefly? I haven't seen Firefly. No, that's so, not what I've seen. Firefly was under the unfortunate circumstance of timing being all over the place when it was actually airing. So it had incredible ratings when people were able to see the episode. But they would change the time it was airing every single week and that had like major delays. So the audience wasn't able to tell when it was going to be on the air. As a result, the network's like, oh, yeah, people just aren't watching it as much as they should have and canceled it. Which was so unfortunate because it was really an incredible show. Um, on a similar note, uh, I would love to hear from you guys as to what your least favorite series finale is of all time. Whoa. Easy, Dexter. Oh, I, I quit before it got to that point, but I heard I, – I've, I've had a Cliff Notes uh, description of what that – what happens in that episode. And it sounds so, atrocious. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. Cause like I watched that show when I was in high school, and I was like I would like sat like sat down like every day after school I was like watching an episode of Dexter, same getting super involved, and then like they hit like this one season where they bring in Colin Hanks. That's where I quit. Yeah. I quit on that season. Dude, that was a good decision because everything else after that like teeters and it keeps teetering, and then you hit that last season, it goes straight down, and you hit the bottom of the barrel when you, yeah. hit, when you get that final episode, which is ridiculous. The other weird one was just that '70s show mm, as well. I know um, that. Yeah. yeah, that whole last season you could just kind of take out, with the exception of the last episode. The last episode is emotionally there. Yeah, it's got stuff. But yeah, still. Topher Grace isn't in the last season, right? Yeah, they brought in uh, Seth Meyers' brother, Eric Myers. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> it's really, it's really weird. I, I see. I've seen a lot of it. Of that show, but I, it's been so long, I can't even remember it anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, think his name's Eric I, I guess the name? closest for me, because I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but recently I was rewatching Scrubs. Yeah. And uh, when s- season eight ended, it was like a perfect ending to the show, and then they decided <laughs> to do Scrubs Med School. And if yeah. they had made it a separate show, I think it would have done better and just like had the cast from the first one tying into it. Yeah. But because they made it strictly based off it and counting as like a season nine, it was really, really bad, and yeah. I think it had the potential to be a good show, but because they tied it into Scrubs, made it that much worse. It yeah. kind of took away from the ending of Scrubs. I, yeah. See, I watched about half of that final season where they do the med school thing. Uh, it is bad, but that was also the first time I ever saw Dave Franco in something. Yeah. That was like yeah. his breakout, I think. I yeah. think that was his breakout role. Um, I mean, he's also in Super Bad for about five seconds. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, I but but I, I think technically... Um, yeah, his first major role in anything was that 
garbage season of Scrubs. Yeah. I also think Parks and Rec season seven didn't need to be a thing because season six ended so perfectly. Where, like, Leslie mm. Nope is in the elevator with uh, Ben, and they're going to their new job, which is on, like, the new floor of the Parks and Rec building. And it seems like everything is fitting in perfectly. Like, everyone's gone to their dream jobs or is moving on. And then season seven picks up, and they have, like, that feud with Leslie and Ron, which was good. It just didn't need to be there. It didn't, but, like, I liked it. I think that was one of my favorite seasons of that show, honestly, because it was, like, fine. It was, like, the emotional payoff season. I think, like, they just, like, almost every single episode was just based around giving every character a really great goodbye. Like, watching Ron Swanson, like, like doesn't he, like, boat off into the middle of, like, yeah. a lake? At the, like, <laughs> like um, not to, to ruin anything. I don't think that's... It's been out long enough yeah. that yeah, um, you should yeah. check it out. But but I think the the final season of that show is just a big emotional payoff. And I think there are some really rough seasons in the middle um, of that show uh, where it just gets drawn out too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of wish they'd take it. You know, if I could throw away like a season or two and just prune it a little bit, I probably would throw away something more in the middle. Or just season one. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, season one was pretty bad at Parks and Rec. I was not a fan of that. I watched it when it came out, like I because I was a huge fan of The Office, so I watched the the episodes as they premiered, and I watched all of season one of Parks and Rec, and I just was like, I don't like this show. I'm all done with it. And um, then people were like, Oh wait, it gets really good after that. So like, fast forward like four years, and I tried it again, and I ended up I ended up liking it, but. Mm Uh, My my recommendation is if you haven't seen Parks and Rec, definitely give it a try. Um, But know that season one is pretty rough and not necessarily a representation of uh, the quality of the rest of the series. I would agree. Mm. I think you could pick it up at season two and you wouldn't really be missing out on anything aside from like Chris Pratt doing some pretty hilarious Andy Dwyer stuff in the first season. Have have you seen it? No, no, because I grew up with the off. Like I grew up with the office. Mm. Um, it was like a pretty big deal thing in my household when we would watch it like Friday nights, you know, my parents would get a box, like, you know, get pizza and we'd all sit around. We'd watch like The Office, we'd watch, uh, like Project Runway Mm. with Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn. The only way you can. The only way you can. Exactly. And I've grown up with The Office and I have a weird love for the later seasons because I think that's just when I was watching it and I was like really enjoying it. And then, like, I made my way back and I watched through the whole series. And I think it's a good show. It's not necessarily humor that I'm always going to go back to because it's always, you know, it's always Jim looking at the camera, (laughs) Dwight saying something funny, you know, Michael's doing things that most people are like, you can't say that. And then, you know, then the other, the later seasons come around and like things start getting like weird. Like, it like starts resembling like this kind of uncanny, like it is the office, but it really isn't. And I just really revel in that weird kind of like vibe that each of those episodes have. See, that's interesting because I'm such a huge fan of like the first few seasons. And I really don't like what it becomes after about season three because I like, I really love the cringe humor of like the first, especially like the first season is. There, there are some really hard to watch episodes. Oh yeah, like yeah. I think Gay Witch Hunt is technically episode uh, season two. Yeah. Um, 
like there there are some just really really painfully awkward episodes of that show and i feel like those come in the earlier seasons and i'm really about that kind of humor but like i totally get that if your 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 thing is like that that weird absurdist kind of uh yeah off the rails <laughs> it's like this really weird absurdist like unintentionally cringy humor yeah where it's like you like it like you could tell that the writers are like trying to write something that like has this kind of humor but then like without michael or like without that they kind of put everything on andy yeah i think in the later seasons gets better Mm. but it's still this just weird like something just doesn't feel right and i think just within that uncomfortable nature i'm like (laughs) i really like this (laughs) well you know what it probably is samson um because the show is based off a british version which was written by ricky gervais and created by him and you very much like that type of humor like i recommended to you that ricky gervais show so my guess is after season three they probably ran out of source material and started creating their own stories so you really like the original take on it, which is that super cringy, super hard to watch, super uncomfortable British type of humor, yeah. whereas it shifts more into an Americanized style as it goes on. Yeah. Well, and I have seen um, a, a lot of um, – I actually have watched all of the British office and um, especially in season one, they like lift scenarios and di- like direct dialogue from the British office and uh, those are some of the best moments like – when uh, Michael fires Pam f- in like episode one for uh, stealing office supplies, yeah. um, as a pr- like, and he does it as a prank. Uh, that's that's from the the UK version of The Office, and like some of those really brutal, uncomfortable moments do come from that show. Yeah. And so you are right. Um, I just like I hate how like it almost becomes like unrealistically like positive i don't know how to like say it after and i think that's my thing is not so much the humor change as it is just like i i don't know you don't do well with positive i like watching jim struggle for for like the first two seasons i love i love that more or less because i don't like jim as a character at all yeah um if you like people struggling if you really like people struggling, you should 100% watch Silicon Valley if you haven't. Yeah. That's a great show. Because every single episode, something goes wrong at the end, which then leads into the conflict for the next one. And one of the reasons I loved and hated Silicon Valley was because there was no conflict resolution. Every time they solved a problem, a new one arose, which I suppose is very like akin to coding. Where like every time a bug happens, it then leads to more and more. But it was so tough to watch these characters finally accomplish something and then it just gets taken out from under them because a new problem has arisen that makes everything obsolete. Yeah. No, it's that's a great show. That's that's yeah. a good that's a good recommendation based on that. Um yeah. And it's got Zach Woods who plays uh what's his name in the office? Gabe. He plays oh, Gabe yeah, yeah, yeah. in the office, and then he plays a very similar uh kind of like a more unhinged virgin virgin. <laughs> he <laughs> might be he he might be in the show. Um, but he plays a more unhinged version of uh, Gabe, basically, in Silicon Valley, oh, um, who's always, like, saying really upsetting oh, things yeah. of, like, alluding to, like, horrible things from his past. <laughs> and like, um, Well, that's why I like Avenue 5 is because of the way he talks. Like, yeah. he is very clearly the best part of that. I'm not giving, like, a spoiler, but there's one line. They always have these little clips of him, like, outside the bar and outside, um, like, restaurants as a promo character on a screen. And he's like, come by the, dr- uh, the bar if you like to drink. 
unless you don't like to drink, my dad liked to drink a lot. And then it just moves on from there. And you're like, wait, wait did he actually just say that? He always plays very similar characters. But he's but so his, good. And the thing is, it's so good that, like, his characters always end up being my favorite in whatever yeah, he's doing for the true. most part. Um, Ave- I, I did start watching Avenue Five, and I'm really enjoying it. Have you seen either of those? No, uh, I've well, I've seen I have I've seen the first episode of Silicon Valley, and then I stopped myself because I realized T.J. Miller's in it, and like while I <laughs> well, and I like I I get behind T.J. Miller like his the character he plays sometimes, but I also think that he is a really poor man's version of Danny McBride sometimes. Yeah. But he's also yeah. just a really shitty person in yeah. general. And, well, he has brain issues. Oh, he does? Yeah. So there's a whole thing, and I don't know enough about it to properly explain it, but basically he was on set of Transformers with Michael Bay, and like because he has brain issues and had to get part of his brain removed, he has trouble like holding back what he's saying and what he's actually doing which makes him make shittier decisions because he's lost some part of that. And Michael Bay, like, flipped out on him, and then afterwards was like, he, like nothing was wrong in T.J. Miller's head, and he's just like, oh, yeah, you want to go grab sushi? Like, in his mind, he didn't see the correlation between, oh, yeah, I just got yelled at for doing this shitty thing. I'm just going to still ask if he wants to hang out. See, huh. like, he's done some truly really like questionable yeah yeah i would go as far to say like borderline irredeemable acts no i think i think some of that is on him but i think it's also important to note that he does have a mental disorder okay that's 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 fair that's fair um yeah uh yeah like i like i know like he called that like bomb thread into like that train station yeah like that's irredeemable but it also makes sense that he's struggling with making decisions right now yeah yeah yeah. um yeah, I, I think my issue too with him is like his inability to like sometimes acknowledge that he's done wrong things. Yeah, um, yeah, and there's there there was a really bad sexual assault allegation against him yeah. too. That uh, that's uh, kind of not kind of that's really really made it difficult for me to enjoy no, anything. And with I, him I think he should be held accountable yeah. for that. I think it's just like some of the things he says he might have a harder time holding back yeah. on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's and that's totally fair to so, know. Yeah. I do say there's one person who I used to really like, but now I can't stand because of specifically what they did. Do you guys do you guys see the league? Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you know oh Steve in the show? Like or like um like the like the oh, what's what? Who's his character? Um, is he one of the core league? Yeah, he's one of the core league. He's like the commissioner. Oh, the oh, um, fuck! I forget his name, but he is the husband. Yeah, uh, the MacArthur. Husband. It, yeah, it, MacArthur. Something MacArthur. Uh, yeah. He is the husband of uh, the main character. One of the main characters, Jenny. Uh, yep. He's best friends. His brother's Taco. I can't believe yep. I can't remember his name specifically. Doesn't doesn't matter now. But that guy did something horrible in which he told. Uh, he said. That he was at the, um, he was like in the Twin Towers when they fell, which is just not true at all. Oh. Like he just made up a bunch of stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that's horrible. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't joke around about tragedies. Like, like that that's was ridiculous. Wild. Yeah, he said like, he said like, yeah, no, I was working at like Goldman, I think it was like Goldman Sachs at the time. And I was like on my way to work. And then I saw like the towers falling. And then people started checking if that was actually true. And there was like, yeah, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> why would you say that? That's like, first of all, like there's layers to why would you say that? Like, first of all, why would you say that? Second <laughs> of all, 
you know that's pretty easily verifiable, right? Like, yeah. I don't know why you would lie about that in the first place. It's also but not it, a trivial yeah. thing to lie about. Like, that's a pretty pretty major event yeah. in U.S. Yeah. history. People are going to check and follow yeah, exactly. up on that. That makes no sense. Yeah. That is bizarre. All right. Um, well, might as well transition off that and go into <laughs> go into news for this week. So I've got a couple of pieces. I'm going to go through them somewhat quickly this time. Uh, so let's talk about sex. Education wow. has been renewed for season three. I am very excited because I am a huge fan of this show. I didn't like the direction they took Otis and Maeve in the second season, but I liked every other character way more. So I don't I don't know. Have you guys seen the show? Uh, I watched the first half of season one, and then I slept through three episodes straight on accident. <laughs> um, I thought it was like fine. I'm I'm the like so I'm not trying to be like a dick, um, but this is because I know a lot of people disagree with me on this. But um, I'm not a huge fan of the show. I feel like it kind of leans on that shtick of like I feel like a lot of shows now are doing this thing where. Uh, they talk about sex in a very candid way mm. and they lean a lot on the crutch of being like, we're being open about sex. Isn't this quirky and fun? And um, I feel like the show doesn't have like a whole lot of backbone to it um, because of that. That's just my opinion. I know I'm in the minority on that one, um, but I've never been able to get really into it. Um, Tim, have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. I have a lot of friends who have seen it on campus because I still go to college. Um, And they often talk about it and they're like, oh, like the show is great. Like love how open it is. Like love how all this, like how it is. And I'm like, all right, yeah, like that's cool. And then like I hear like, oh, it's like a fun comedy, that type of thing. And my question is like, have they seen like Skins? You know, have you either you seen Skins? I watched no. the first episode of Skins and uh, the the British version of Skins. There's a U.S. version too. Yes. Oh, that's supposed to be absolutely horrible. It's horrible and it's unhinged. It got canceled after one season because it was pretty much like they said, "Oh yeah, like this is almost like like child pornography." Oh and I was god, like, that makes sense. But it was also on MTV, which is even more ridiculous. <laughs> oh jeez. And I and there are some things on MTV that I love to watch, like I un, I unironically love watching this show called Are You the One. I watched the most recent season. It is ridiculous. It, so for for the plot of it, Samson, because yeah. I'm sure you haven't seen it. Basically, they pit a bunch of people on an island and tell them that one person here is their soulmate. And that they're like met, they're a perfect match, right? So they do like a bunch of analysis beforehand to figure out who everyone's perfect match is, right? Is that not what they do? Yeah, or, no. That's oh, it. okay. That's you're it. nodding that's your it. head, so I wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, so that's what they do is they they find out who the perfect match is, and your goal over the next however many weeks is to try and find your perfect match. And they do like in a like a rose ceremony, kind of like The Bachelor, except um, during that they only light up a spotlight if there is a perfect match in the room, and they don't tell you who it is. But what they did in this most recent season was everyone was LGBTQ. So oh. the potential matches, instead of it being like one out of eight, because they usually do it guys and girls, they made it one out of 15. So you or one out of 16. So you can match with anyone in the house because everyone's attracted to everybody, 
Whereas when they normally do it, it's just men and women. Find out who your man partner is. Find out who your woman partner is. Yeah. And like in the previous seasons before, because I've watched the first season, I watched the first season with my brother when I was a freshman in high school and he was a senior. We like come back home after school and we like sit down and watch it. But it was so ridiculous because it goes from like the first couple of seasons being like almost kind of like these like frat dudes who are then kind of like, I need to find my dream journal. Where's my dream journal in the house? <laughs> to like going all the way down to the other end. And it's it's bananas. There are some parts in that show where I am sitting there and I'm like, to think back to the first season and now is crazy because it becomes such a different spot. But it's also like the first, I think it's the one of the first real LGBT like you show like dating shows yeah i i haven't seen any i i used to have a lot of friends i still do they're they are still my friends who uh watch the bachelor a lot and and they're the ones who told me about it and i would sit and watch the bachelor with them because it's a funny thing to watch with people like it is a terrible show but like this one i i found i genuinely enjoyed a lot more because there is so much like everyone can be with everybody and it wasn't the fact that they were like gay or bisexual or any of that that really intrigued me but it was more like who are they going to be with let's find out and you really start to like some of the people who are there um but yeah no i i i see the the similarities you're putting between that and like skins and sex education i really like such sex education because of the characters and the concept so for those of you who don't know the concept uh otis is a sexually repressed teenager because his mom is a sex therapist So he grew up with sex all around his house. There's like dildos and photos everywhere. And as a result, he has trouble even masturbating. And he's able to talk a student through their sexual problems that they are having at school where they took a bunch of Viagra and they can't get their boner down. Um, So because he does that, this girl Maeve, who's with him helping out, realizes that they can use this to help give sex education to the students at the school because they are not being informed enough. So he and Maeve run a sex clinic where they charge the other students money and he gives them sexual advice and relationship advice and helps them move forward with their problems currently going on. So I like I really like the show because I think the characters are unique. I, I like the overall plot. I couldn't care more or less what's going on with there. I like the relationship between the characters. I like Otis and Maeve playing off each other. I like uh, Eric, who is Otis's gay best friend, sort of discovering his own sexuality and confidence and trying to be a more uh, like open person with himself and not just like, oh, yeah, I am this. But also I want to show that off. Um, it's just like the relationship between the characters, which is what draws me into the show. So that's why I really recommend it. Not because of what the content is, but because of the way the characters play off each other. Mm. That sounds kind of like released. Cause it is, is it an American show or is it a British? It's a British show. show. Okay. There's a part of, there's a part of it with that kind of weird, not necessarily weird, but, um, with that kind of talk, frank talk of sex, it reminds me of uh, End of the Fucking World. Mm. In a way, okay. kind of. Go on. Um, more or less because more or less because I think it's sat, or at least from what it sounds like, because I, I haven't seen it, but with the frank sex talk within the show, there's also a lot of frank sex talk within End of the Fucking World that is very, very, very honest mm. in 
Oh, and almost like kind of like a you didn't have to be that honest, but you can be that honest type of deal. Okay. So I really like I I don't know. I I want to check it out now though. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. No, it's definitely a show I like, so I'm excited for season three. Want to see where that goes. Uh, Aza Butterfield actually plays the lead. He was the kid from Ender's Game. Whoa. Yeah, so he he's the main character, Otis. But speaking of him, because he was actually in the casting for Spider-Man back when Tom Holland was like not cast <sighs> as Spider-Man yet. So he was a potential. But tying into that, Sony has announced that there's going to be a new Marvel movie that comes out after the newest Spider-Man one in October of 2021. So they haven't announced what it's going to be. They haven't announced what specific character is going to be, but it's going to tie into the Sony-verse with that. So I think it's really interesting that it went from them not even working together for the third Spider-Man movie to now having a fourth project on the way. I'm really curious where they're going to go with this one. We don't have to dive too much into it because we talk a lot of superheroes, yeah. but uh. I'm just really interested about this because it's a new development. It's kind of interesting to see that they've rehashed whatever was going on before. Yeah. So is it Spider-Man related? Do we know that? It is Spider-Man related, but it might not be Spider-Man. Like, Venom is Spider-Man related. Kraven is Spider-Man related. So it might be another one of those that they're just yeah. teaming up with Marvel for a specific character. Okay. But I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Well, uh, interesting. In other news, uh, The Good Doctor has been renewed for season four. I don't know much about this show. My parents really like it, so I just figured it was worth mentioning that it's going on. I think it's in – it's either a like the doctor has Asperger's or autism, and I don't know enough to explain about it. But he works as a doctor, and it's one of those types of medical shows. So I've heard it's pretty good. Might be worth checking out. I'll let you guys know if I ever do watch it. But that's been renewed for season four. I think that's the show with – Freddie Highmore. It, it is, is with Freddie Highmore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's all I really know about it. Uh, in happy news, Insatiable uh, has been canceled after season two. So that's a show oh. that I cannot recommend people stay away from enough. It is a terrible show where Debbie Ryan is an overweight character, breaks her jaw, can only drink juice, loses a ton of weight, and becomes a bitch to everyone that she knows. And basically she was like, oh yeah, I was bullied for my weight. Now I'm going to bully everyone else. And it is a terrible comedy that talks about body dysmorphia and all of that, but does not handle it very gently and is very poorly done. So I highly recommend staying away from that show. Uh, so I'm glad it's been canceled. Um, in other news, uh, Parasite is going to be a series on HBO. Yeah. What? Yeah, I heard yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So right now their main cast is looking like the two leads are Mark Ruffalo and Tilda Swinton. Ooh. Interesting. interesting Wait, what do you mean they're making... I I don't know enough. They haven't really announced many details, but there's going to be a Parasite series on HBO based off the concept of whatever the movie is. That's weird. I just like I hope it's like a different story. Like, you know, like I I don't I don't like this trend of America needing to remake everything much yeah. more poorly than the original international version. Like Old Boy is a good example, I think. Ooh, um, yeah. You know, that did not need to be remade. No, I've watched clips of the remake of Old Boy uh, with Josh Brolin and uh, Elizabeth Olsen, and it is garbage. It is a, garbage. It's such a weird little thing that happened. And also, Spike Lee directed it, which is yeah, yeah, that was bizarre. bizarre. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, I don't really understand America's need to, oh, I do because it's it's all about making money off of something that's been proven to be successful in international markets. But like, it's it's so frustrating to watch um, American like film and television makers just botch remakes that don't need to be made yeah. Um, yeah. and Americanize things that don't need to be Americanized. 
Well, it probably what it is is people don't want to watch something with subtitles. And as a result, they're like, how can we make people watch what has clearly won a lot of awards for a good reason and also make some money off of it? Let's recast everyone as white characters and make it an Americanized version. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, like, I I, I don't, like, understand why. Because you're still robbing people of a good quality uh, television or film. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, if, if it's just, oh, God. Yeah. Well, I hope it's something different. I just hope it's something different than a direct remake. When I know more information about it, I'll definitely let you know. But as of now, all I know is that they've cast Tilda Swinton and Mark Ruffalo in the leads. I I hope that Bon Joon-ho has something to do with it. I hope so, too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, he's doing really well for himself. Uh, In other news, Wes Anderson is making a new film called French Dispatch, which looks pretty interesting. The trailer is now out, so you can definitely go check that out. It's got a lot of heavy hitters in it so like owen wilson and bill murray uh, timothy chalamet and timothy chalamet and timothy chalamet who everybody loves and timothy chalamet's great jawline yeah he does have an incredible jawline i'm gonna be honest i really don't like him purely because he's just handsome like i don't know (laughs) there's something that i like i look at him and i'm like Oh, he's so goddamn cute. He is so and it, like, it makes me mad. I don't really understand it. I've never felt that like to- towards an actor before. I, I don't know. Do you think it's because he's cute and everyone knows he's cute? Yeah, I also think it's like, you know, like, so there are some people like uh, Zac Efron. Zac Efron's beautiful. Yeah. Zac Efron is absolutely a gorgeous man. And uh, I look at him and I'm like, wow, he's handsome. I like him. I look at Timothy Chalamet and I just get mad. I can't explain it. Maybe it's like, the, oh, you know what? I think Sean Sean pointed it out. We were talking about this um, over the course of the last week. And Sean was like, it's probably because he's so broody. He's just <laughs> He looks like he's brooding all the time. And I was like, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. He is an angsty teen, but also a famous Hollywood man. Yeah, yeah. There's something about him where he always looks a little bit pouty. And I think that's what makes me mad. I think that's what pisses me off. I, the whole reason why, the reason why I don't like Timothy Chalamet is because when Timothy Chalamet became really big, um, which was when I was in high school, because I think... Call Me By Your Name came out in like 2017, something like that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, like, some, like sometime around, like 2017, 2018. And when everybody started talking about Timothy Chalamet, they either called him Timmy or Tim. And since my name is Tim, and everybody's like, oh, I love Tim. I was like, oh, really? Like, thanks. And they're like, not you. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, okay. Like, it was weird. And then people then started calling me Timmy. And I'd be like, why are you calling me Timmy? Like, I'm 18. And then they'd be like, oh, because like Timothy Chalamet is called, like we call him Timmy. So we thought we could call you Timmy. I was like, no, my did, name is Tim. Did you also have two fairly godparents? Or I guess it's now that, four. That was, a, that was a continuous joke in elementary school that, I, that sure. I got a lot of. That one was a big one. Uh, Timmy, uh, Timmy Turner specifically. Or mm. I also got, um, oh, who was it? Like, uh, I'm forgetting the other guy. Or like Jimmy. Some kids would call me Timmy Jimmy. And I'd be like, why are you calling me Timmy Jimmy? Because of the power hour. Yeah, exactly. But then when I got to high school, people would start calling me, uh, there was a, one, I had a friend who got abnormally high one time and then called me and was listening to Blink-182. Mm. And they and they said, hey, it's Tim Tom DeLong. And I was like, what? <laughs> so, for a while, so for a while, I got I got called Tim Tom. And I thought it was the weirdest thing in the, one of the most bizarre instances of 
a nickname that I've ever gotten. So speaking of bad nicknames, when I was in high school, uh, there was a kid that I grew up with who be, like was a DJ and everyone, his name was Dan and they always called him D Morg, like based off his last name. And as a result, one of my friends to like jokingly make fun of him, but also mess with me, started calling me D Roth, which is tied into my last name. And I hated it. And I think the worst part was the first day he starts calling me that in gym class, my gym teacher then calls me D Roth. And if a gym teacher calls you that, you know the nickname is cemented for a while. So from sophomore year until I graduated, and even some people that I still see from high school will call me D-Roth, and it's one of the worst things because I'm like, this is such a bad nickname. But also it's just like I can't believe it caught on. So gym teachers, do not give your students nicknames. They will stick around forever. Yeah. That's the moral of the story here. I can attest to that. Elementary school, I was called Q-Tip because my hair was exceptionally – tight in a really tight afro and my one of the um the gym teacher we had was this desert storm veteran who like was like this super built guy who would just like pick up kids again a part of a bygone era and would put them in the garbage put them in the garbage and so one time as i like got up to go throw something out he came up and picked picked me up and put him on his shoulder and said look i'm cleaning my ears out with a q-tip and then like would it like wow. started shaking me around and then put me in the in the trash? Holy, he put you in the trash. He even put kids in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he knew they were where they were ending up at some point. It was, so. it was so. It was like like I think back to it. I'm like, really? Like this was like this was okay for like public schools to kind of have another time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I I had it really hard too. Like all growing up, probably like elementary school through high school, everyone just called me Hot Boy because I was just so good looking. All the Not teachers, all the kids, are like, <laughs> "Oh, there goes Hot Boy looking all hot." <laughs> oh, he's so attractive. So embarrassing. Everybody was trying to kiss me. You're like, uh, oh. you kept walking down the halls like, guys, cut it out, really stop. Yes. Oh no, don't no. T- Timothy Chalamet stealing my attention. What the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, then Timothy Chalamet transferred to my school. Oh God, that's why you hate him. It's because he stole your thunder as he hot started boy. calling him hot boy. Oh God. <laughs> um, so in other news, uh, Danny Trejo has now passed Christopher Lee as the most killed on-screen actor. He has now died sixty-five times. I didn't know Christopher Lee had that accolade. Neither did I. I honestly thought it was Sean Bean that died the most. No. What, a, what an interesting... It's a weird statistic, but 65. I thought it was 65. Wow. I thought it was really interesting. So I, I saw that in the news and I figured I'd write it down, but good for Danny Trejo and yeah. bad for Christopher Lee. You got to get back out there. Round of applause for him. Real quick, everyone. Yeah. Uh, So I got some other bits of news. Uh, Rick Moranis is coming back for the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series. They're making a third one, and it's confirmed by Disney+. Plus. Rick Moranis, he's back. He's back. (laughs) He he, he, he was gone for a little bit. Some might say he shrunk, but now he's back. Rick is in the building. Dude, I'm... (laughs) I miss Rick Moranis. That dude was funny. He's Um, very funny. uh, I don't know if you ever watched, like, the... I forget what sketch show it was from, but, like, Bob and Doug McKenzie... Where like oh, yeah. he like played yeah. like Canadian twins with this other uh, comedic actor, and like they have this movie called Strange Brew that's really funny if you ever get the chance. Um, but yeah, they're just like they play these two Canadian dudes that are just hardcore stereotypes of con- like like kind of rural Canadians, <laughs> and um, uh, they have a great comedy album um, that you can probably find on Spotify under like Bob and Doug McKenzie, and uh, he's just re- he's a really funny dude like. 
I, I, I love Rick Moranis. I love, um, he's, he's really great in like pretty much everything he was in. Like, I know he played a lot of the same characters, but like his shtick was really good and the characters he played were really good. I'm really excited he's he's doing something again. I wish it wasn't for another Honey, I Shrunk the Kids movie, but um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm excited that he's back. If this can drag him out of retirement and have him like start showing up in mainstream films again, I, I'm down for it. Yeah. I would support that. Me too. Uh, yeah. Me too. I, yeah, I'm a big fan of Rick Moranis. Um, so the last two bits of info I have, uh, th- we're not going to talk about this just because it's big spoiler warning for the previous season of it, but Stranger Things season four has released a teaser. It is 50 seconds long. Highly recommend that if you are a Stranger Things fan and have not seen it, you check it out because it's going to lead some big information for season four. I saw it and I'm just going to say I got real heated. Yeah. I, I'm 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 we'll talk about this another time because it's a very, very big thing for what happened in season three. But I'm still two seasons behind. And exactly. I accidentally saw the sneak peek. So. Oh, no. Uh, I, well, I guess it doesn't. It's really not that much that. of a, a spoiler. Yeah, I guess um, so. But yeah, highly recommend you go check out Stranger Things season four teaser because that's going to look really, really good. And I know the show is planned out for five seasons. So I'm curious where they're going to go with the plot right now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and then the last bit I have, which is something Samson and I actually talked about earlier this week, is that the Harley Quinn movie, which is actually Birds of Prey, the emancipation of one Harley Quinn, has been renamed to Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey a week after it has been in theaters. Actually, not even a full week. I think that, not I think, so uh, this Tuesday, um, which was the 11th, I believe, um, uh, they they decided to they they officially announced that they were going to call it Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, um, and the movie came out not even a full week before. It was like it had the weakest box office opening of a DC movie. It is at thirty three point three million, which is the lowest box office for any DC film. Yeah, they didn't even make it a full week. They made it like maybe three four days, yeah. and they decided to to rename it. Um, I have a couple opinions on this. Uh, One of them is that I was talking to my roommate recently, telling him about this uh, whole name change, and he didn't know that Harley Quinn was a part of the Birds of Prey, which I think is just very poor marketing on DC's end, because if you want Harley Quinn to be your titular character for this film, you need to make sure it is well known enough that anyone can see the title Birds of Prey and immediately know it is a DC Harley Quinn film. Yeah. The second thing I have to say is I'm very shocked about when they released this film and it was something I brought up to Samson as well is that you have a movie called Birds of Prey with a lot of badass women characters who are either heroes, anti-heroes or villains, right? The fact that you're not promoting it to be released on Valentine's Day weekend to make it a Galentine's Day thing is very shocking to me. So I've taken a lot of marketing classes and you want to figure out what your target audience is. I'm sure their idea is just anyone who likes comic books and superheroes would be a good target audience. But you have a lot of badass women in a female only film. The fact you are not trying to market the fuck out of that in that area of the film industry is beyond me. They should have made it a Valentine's Day film where everyone can go out for Valentine's Day weekend to go see it. And I'm blown away that they didn't try and do that. Also, I feel like I didn't see a whole lot on it. I feel like there was a lot of buildup towards like, oh, they, uh, they're going to have an ad spot during the Super Bowl or like things like that. I can't remember. There was like another thing within the last year where they were like, oh, Birds of Prey just had a um, 
a uh, giant sneak preview and they like, you know, it was like these big deals when like these previews were released. But they were all like 10 seconds. Oh, wait, that was at the end of a different movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Um, Which movie did that come out? Oh, God, I can't even remember. That was in the credits of a movie. Yeah. It, it wasn't Shazam, was it? No, I can't remember which movie it was, but they were like, stick around for the credits because uh, there's a... Oh, or... Spider-Man. Was it Spider-Man? It was Spider-Man Far, uh, Far From Home. Okay. I yeah, think it that's was what in, it, it was. was. Like, yeah, it no, was it couldn't like, have been because yeah, that's because a DC that's movie. Marvel, yeah. I, but I, I have no idea. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, oh, yeah, stick around and make sure... Oh, it was It. I it think was it was It Chapter 2. It was so, yeah, they were like... They were like, make sure you stick around for like, or get there for the previews because um, right before the movie starts, they're going to show you 15 second (laughs) sneak preview for this movie. Yeah, because I remember we saw that movie together and that's why I have the memory of it. It it was right before It Chapter 2. They they were going to show like a sneak teaser. Yeah, because that was also Warner Bros. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was really interested in seeing it. I just had no idea it came out like last weekend. Yeah. and I don't know if that's because I don't watch cable, really. Uh, yeah. But I, I feel like I didn't really see many ads. I feel like all the ads I'm subjected to are, like, the ones that get shoved down my throat via YouTube. And you want to skip those. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But sometimes if you see a cool enough trailer, like, the reason I knew what Knives Out was, was um, I work I work at a preschool, and um, we watch, uh, we, we have circle time every morning. And uh, we watch, uh, you know, songs with the kids. And a uh, trailer for Knives Out came on um, <laughs> how on many, YouTube Kids. How many serial killers did you just create in that one moment? I don't know. The teacher's, like, jumping in front of the screen <laughs> trying to be like, oh, ha, 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 And, like, knives are flying. And, like, Chris <laughs> Evans is, like, being all broody and, like, talking about murder. Um, yeah. The great Somebody movie, by get the way. that man yeah, no, knife. Um, I saw that. It was so oh. good. I don't know if this is part of your news, but Knives Out has been confirmed to uh, – they, yeah. they greenlit a sequel to Knives Out. It wasn't, but I did hear about that. I was going to talk about it another week. But, yeah. yeah um, well, super, sorry to steal the thunder on that, that, but sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm super excited about that. That's going to be a fun one. But also, going back to Birds of Prey, I'm actually even more confused by the marketing of it in general. Yeah. Because it's – like Suicide Squad, it's like neon soaked and it's like mm-hmm. kind of like all over the place, but it's got this R rating. Yeah. I feel like it feels like the aesthetic and style looks like it's more focused towards like, you know, those 13 and 14 year old kids who are really like, you know, like scene kids from like 2008. Like that's <laughs> kind of the vibe that like I got from watching, like from what I saw from the trailers. Yeah. Metro Station. Yeah, like yeah. Metro, Metro Station. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I just think that it's so bizarre that they gave it like this hard R rating because I feel like you're closing it off from so many people who might want to go see it. That's true. Yeah, I, I think I think um, they wanted to tie it into the Harley Quinn character in Suicide Squad, and Suicide Squad was very neon, and I think that's kind of probably the vibe they're going for with these DC villains is because they need to stand out from what Marvel has been doing, and I think I, I agree with you. It's really rough to see this movie especially because suicide squad was, was so terrible which is why i'm partially excited for the james gunn reboot cuz i think they can do wonders with the series but i am i am i'm just very shocked with the way this film has been marketed and yeah. I, I don't know i i expected that they could do a little better especially because the last few films that came out for dc were pretty good which is joker shazam and wonder woman although justice league was so boring i fell asleep during that Release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see it. I want to see the Snyder Cut. 
I'll, I'll be honest about that. But yeah, uh, that's all I have for news, which was a lot. But I also think it was some pretty good talking points because yeah, this week was yeah. very full of news. And this is a segment I actually really enjoy. So I'm fine with talking a little longer on that. I think what we're going to do this week is actually skip over the what we've been watching. Uh, if you want to do a very quick rundown of the shows you've watched without any main details to it and say whether or not you recommend them, go for it. You now have the floor. Breaking Bad, or uh, Better Call Saul, recommend. Ooh, yeah. they just added the new season they to the new Netflix, season, which right? I've been watching. Okay. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think of if I've watched. Oh, I started watching Avenue Five. Uh, it's pretty funny so far, and I like it. I recommend it. I started watching Curb Your Enthusiasm from the beginning because I've never seen it from that the beginning. That show hurts. Yeah, yes. it was really good. My cousin was also in an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Really? The same one who was in uh, Mrs. Maisel. So, that's, uh, yeah, that's I a good show. I, I second the recommendation. Uh, but get ready for some of the m- most hard to watch, yeah. anxiety inducing oh, uh, social situations th- you have ever seen. I third the recommendation. I watch it and I often get. Like I, I, I would watch – I remember watching in the library a couple times and I would just be sitting there and be like, oh, God, stop, please. No, 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 no. Is it yeah. Deuce Chills worthy? No, 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 no. no it's no. not that bad? Um, okay. That, yeah. Deuce Chills is much more uh, unintended cringe. Got it. Um, uh, but when I run at the gym, I have to watch something that um, gives me bad anxiety. So like I'll watch <laughs> to keep me going because like I burn off that extra excess anxiety by yeah. running. And um, so like I sometimes I used to do like The Handmaid's Tale. Sometimes I'll do like horror things. Like I'll do like Attack on Titan stuff like that. Something that's oh, going to really wow. make me stressed out. And uh, sometimes I do curb your enthusiasm because sometimes <laughs> it's so hard to watch that like. It it, uh, it it feels like you're watching a thriller because it's so intensely uncomfortable. Um, the other show that I've been watching a lot recently is uh, – or I just finished actually was Lock and Key, the first season. I'm going to explain it a lot more next week. I think the issues I have with the show are it didn't go – into the mystical elements enough and it also didn't go into the horror elements enough it kind of dabbled in each mm-hmm. and if it had gone full force into one of them or both of them it would have been a highly recommended show right now i kind of keep it as a keep on your radar if you can find something else to watch go for it but if you're kind of intrigued by it give it a shot also the characters are very bland and not terribly interesting but yeah Um, So the main reason I want us to go through that pretty quickly is because this week we're going to talk about the Oscars and kind of who won, who lost. Our very first episode, we talked about the fact that Joker was nominated for 11 Oscars and kind of our or 11 different like awards and just kind of whether or not it should have been. So I actually have everyone who won something. And I thought we could talk about some of the main movies that were going on there. So we've already talked about Joker a lot. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix did uh, win actor in a leading role, so I don't don't think we need to dive too much into it. You can check out our first episode where we talked about Joker in a full review. Um, But the next one is actor in a supporting role where Brad Pitt won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Any thoughts on this movie? Who else was nominated? Uh, We have Tom Hanks in Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, uh, Anthony Hopkins in Two Popes, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci in The Irishman. Uh, Okay. Okay. Those are a lot of... Mm, I don't know. I didn't see The Irishman. I haven't I, seen The Irishman. Ooh. I'm sorry. I I saw I saw The Irishman. How'd you like it? I well, the thing is, I saw it in an actual movie theater. I didn't want to watch it. Oh, at home okay. I felt like that would have been an awful decision because it's yeah. three and a half hours. Yeah. And I felt like if I was watching a three and a half hour movie, I couldn't do it at home. That's when I also I fall I 
grew into that opinion because when it was, I want to say last May, there was a screening in Cambridge of this adaptation of War and Peace that was made in Soviet Russia in like the mid to late 60s. And it's like eight hours long. And I told myself like, I probably need to go see this because it's like kind of a big deal thing. And it was such a great experience to see it in a movie theater and not at home. More or less because I feel like my parents would be like, you need to get up and do something. You've been sitting for eight hours. But I digress because I had such a good time when watching like longer movies in theaters. So I try my best to go see those types of movies. But with The Irishman, I really liked it. I really liked Joe Pesci's performance in it. Al Pacino was pretty good. But I could understand why they gave it to Brad Pitt, and I appreciate. Like I agree, yeah. I stand by it. It's a good. So my question for you is because we haven't seen The Irishman. It's a long movie. Is it one that you feel kind of drags out, or is it need to be as long as it is? I think it needs to be as long as it is, more or less because it it tackles a lot of philosophical okay. elements to it about life and age and. You know what, like how the act, how actions of people weigh, or how the actions that you commit weigh on you later in life. Yeah, but so does Gotti, starring John Travolta, and we all know that that probably did it best. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, especially with John Travolta being John Travolta. Produced by uh, uh, oh god, who I couldn't tell uh, you. Movie Pass produced it. MoviePass produced Gotti. Wait, was MoviePass the thing that took off in the summer where you could, like, buy buy the ticket and see movies all the time? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, that went bankrupt so fast. I couldn't I couldn't resist bringing up that it was... But let us not forget the score made by Pitbull. Oh, boy. Yeah. That was bizarre. Did you see it? I saw clips of it, and I heard some of the music, and I was like, this is weird. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's like, a 4th of July, like, barbecue block party and and, and it's in the 1980s and they're playing pitbull oh boy. like blaring pitbull it's just a, it, it was it's such a questionable it was like one of those moments where i was like what are you doing like what what are you what are you doing right now anytime someone plays pitbull i immediately start questioning my life dude and the movie opens with john travolta standing in front of the skyline of new york he's like I love this city. And like, <laughs> he's just talking to the camera. It's just. <laughs> he's like straight up looking at the camera. <laughs> just oh, looking God. at the camera, telling him how he loves the city and how he's basically a hero. He's like, and he. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's so good. Jesus. So All right. Bizarre. It's so My awful, only man. gripe with this is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was not a movie I liked. I saw it and really? I was not a fan at all. I love Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, and me too. I have never disliked one of his movies this much. I love everything I've seen by him. I will defend Tarantino endlessly. Um, I, I feel like, because I, I, I was a film major and I feel like a lot of people in my uh, major would unfairly uh, shit on Quentin Tarantino um, because it's cool to, to, to do that. Um, <laughs> but like, I think he's a great filmmaker, and I thought Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is the uh, old school Hollywood equivalent of uh, Ready Player One. Oh, it's God. just like it's it's just I felt like it was an empty movie that just like wrote on nostalgia and no plot, and yeah. uh, you know it's I, I don't know. I want to hear what your opinion is, Tim, because so you liked it. 
I said, yeah, no, I love it. I think it's one of Quentin Tarantino's best, which is clearly not the opinion that I get in the room. <laughs> but I think that's because it's so not a Tarantino movie that Tarantino made that makes me love it even more. Hmm. It's it's almost like a, it's almost like a hangout movie. Like it's like the type of movie you throw on, like kind of in the background, and like people will watch like some of it, and you can find kind of fade in and out. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's kind of the vibe of the movie. Like it's just kind of like people like do stuff, like people do stuff, and like they try to get to places, and by the end, like it ends on a somewhat positive note. Yeah. Um. And I just I don't know like. I think it was also just maybe the time when I saw it because I saw it in a theater where it was like five people. Yeah. And I was like sitting in the back and like it was like the middle of August, like, you know, where it's like still pretty warm. It's like warm outside. And like I was like, I had good memories. Like, great, yeah, I was like working a great job. Yeah. And then like it's like, wow, like this movie's like pretty, like pretty good. And I think it's also me being like a film major, like seeing like all these things and like being like, oh, I, I, I can understand like how that shot works mm-hmm. and how that comes into that shot. And, like starting to make all these connections and I don't know. I think that's the bit the big thing for me was that it was just kinda like watching me like, wow, like this is really great. I think my issues came up similar to Samson. It felt like a very empty world. It was banking on nostalgia, which is something I'm not very connected with to this Hollywood movie. I know my dad enjoyed it a lot more than my mom and I did. Um but I think my other issue is, yeah, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio, who does a great performance, I would say. I think the when he's doing the cowboy scene with that little girl, like, that's a phenomenal scene. And you got Brad Pitt, who's doing his, like, typical Brad Pitt awesome job, like, eating food and doing all that fun stuff. But I found no reason to be attached to these random characters. And I found no reason to really be attached to anyone in the movie aside from like Sharon Tate or who was Margot Robbie. And even then she wasn't even like that prominent in the film. I I think it's interesting to look at the Manson murders. And if you don't know what they are, you should definitely go do some research on them because it's really interesting. But I think the issue was for me, I found no connection to anything in the film. And that's what I really bank on when I'm watching a movie. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. I like Brad Pitt did a great job. I just think yeah. someone else should have won for supporting role. I thought it was ridiculous that nobody from Parasite was nominated. Like none yeah. of the actors from Parasite yeah, were nominated. That, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. So uh, going further down, uh, actress in a leading role, the winner was Renee Zellweger for the movie Judy. Haven't seen that. Um, of the other ones on there, there was uh, movie Harriet. There was Marriage Story, Little Women, and Bombshell because Charlize Theron won for that well, one. Who was nominated from uh, uh, Little Women? Sayors Ronan. Uh, how do you pronounce her name? Shersha uh, Ronan. Okay. okay. I, yeah. No, I, I asked because a, I don't know. I always see it. It's, and an, I, I, it's yeah. an Irish name. Like she was really good. I was kind of pissed. I felt like. Little Women got so snubbed. Yeah, like the like um, like uh, wait, who did you say won? Uh, it was Renee Zellweger for Judy. Yeah, and this is another thing is like, this is also my thing against uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is I feel like the Oscars especially and critics uh get rock hard for anything that references old Hollywood or old Hollywood icons. Yeah. And I feel like it's so easy to just make a member berries movie of just like, Oh, Oh, look, 
It's La La Land. It's like an old school musical, even though it has three goddamn songs in it. So it's barely a musical. Or um, look, it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We don't have a story, but like let's reference a lot of things that happen. Oh, let's make a movie about Judy Garland and just you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. Yeah. it's just like it's all just referential and like I don't think there's a lot. I, I didn't see. I didn't see Judy, so I could be giving this a completely harder rap than it deserves. But I, I just don't understand. I, I saw the, some of these other movies, and I thought they were so good. Like Scarlett Johansson in uh, A Marriage Story was nominated. You said no, no, it was Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit was nominated for actress. Oh no, that was for supporting role. Yeah, she was she was nominated for that in a uh, leading role. Yeah, I Sorry. mean that was so good. I, I don't know. It's no, I completely, I completely agree with that. Like I, I didn't even know Judy came out. Yeah, yeah. You no, know like I heard virtually nothing about this movie, and then all of a sudden it was like Renell Zellweger yeah. is like winning all these awards, and yeah. the other thing that got under my skin was, at each award show, her speeches were just like, rambling nonsense <laughs> to me half the time, where she would just seem to just talk for the sake of talking, and then she would just leave. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I feel like I should see it now because apparently Renell Zellweger gave that good a, a performance. Yeah. But I'm more yeah. impartial to Scarlett Johansson and for Marriage Story because I think that with Judy, it's a biographical film. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, you know, when they're like, oh, they embody this person. They're like, oh, they do, like, they do this in such a way that makes it feel like the person's come alive again. I think it is much more difficult to bring a fake fictional character to life yeah. than it is to act like another person for a little while. Yeah. I also think everything about the Oscars and all of these award shows is timing. When you release a movie, yeah. you want to do it closer to them because critics will be more likely to think about it. That's probably the case with this movie. Again, haven't seen it, so I really can't say for sure. But I feel like Marriage Story got robbed in the Oscars because that was a wonderful performance by Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Um, but Laura Dean did win Actress in a Supporting Role for Marriage Story. Laura Dern. Laura yeah, Dern, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, it autocorrected on my computer, but she she did a very good job in that movie. So I I support her winning. The only one I would say was like very close was Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, and that's because Jojo Rabbit was an incredible movie, and I think she did a phenomenal job. So it was tough for me. I have to see Jojo Rabbit still. I heard very mixed things. Yeah, I need to see it too. Yeah, I would I would watch it again. It okay. was really I want good. I want to form my own opinions on that. Because, like, I've heard so many mixed things. Like, I know you love it. Most people I've talked to in person say they love it. But a lot of the critics I read, uh, critics' reviews that I read were, like, it thinks it's a, it hits a lot harder than it actually does. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Also, like, are you familiar with the AV Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. AV Club. Um, uh, they're, they're very contrarian to what is popular sometimes. And yeah. they've just been throwing out hit pieces on jojo rabbit recently that are like i that come across ridiculous as ridiculous it's like i i think one recently was like jojo rabbit is like is just like saying how bad it was um uh some kind of inflammatory headline and then uh i read the comments because i didn't want to give it a click <laughs> i didn't want to give it the, the clickbait my click and um uh and everyone was like oh yeah they're basically saying like Oh, it's it's just a Holocaust drama, but like, also it's just like a comedy, like you know, like it's yeah. it's like it was it was like it just the argument 
that people were claiming it was making didn't make sense. I mean, I've got a hard on for Taika Watiti right now. I love everything he's yeah. in, and I think it's bot like it's it's pretty evident. I've got some bias towards him, but I do think this was a very different take from other films I've seen him make. Cool. And I think because of my uh, like love for Taika Watiti, it kind of blinded me. But at the same time, I was I wasn't even thinking about that as I went into it. I was thinking about it afterwards. I was like, wow, I can't believe he made it because it felt so different from what he's been doing. Again, I haven't seen like enough of his projects. I got to go back and watch the earlier stuff. But it felt very different from what I love about him. And I still adored this movie. All right, cool. I'll de- I'll definitely check it out. I'll try to watch it um, uh, before uh, our, our next podcast because I do want to have – uh, to form some opinions on it, but I, I'm glad to hear Laura Dern won for Marriage Story. She was good. In, she was really good in that. Marriage Story was very good. I do recommend that movie yeah, a lot. I think that uh, Little Women again got snubbed on this one. Um, so let's keep going. Uh, we got animated feature film. Toy Story 4 won that. I think the only one it was really competing against was How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I was, in my opinion. I was surprised. I, I didn't think Frozen 2 was, like, incredible, but, like, I was really surprised that, like, the fourth How to Train Your Dragon movie? Is that the third? Third? Okay. Um, beat out uh, Frozen 2. Frozen 2 didn't even get nominated, which I thought uh, was... It got nominated for... Best original song. Yeah, yeah, Best Original Song. But um, I didn't honestly think that there were like... I didn't see the new How to Train Your Dragon, but I was surprised by how lackluster the nominations were uh, for Best Animated Picture this year. Um, yeah, it was like a lot of sequels. Well, I mean, here's the thing about the How to Train Your Dragon series, because it is my favorite animated series of all time. It is a move like it is a movie series that is an incredible first one somehow manages to not only live up to the hype of the first one, but be better in the second one and kind of captures the magic for the third. I didn't think the third was as good. It has a very satisfying conclusion to the series, but it is, it is an animated series that gets better over time, so I, I understand why it was nominated. I also think it's a very gorgeously shot series. Like, everything when the dragons are flying, like, that's just such an incredible moment. And they're going through the lights and stuff. I haven't seen Toy Story 4, but I agree with you that I feel like there should have been something better this year in animation, but there weren't that many animated movies. I saw, I saw Toy Story 4, and emotionally i mean i'm also biased because i've grown up with the toy story movies Mm -hmm. but like it is a pretty like if if you're talking strictly just in the form of animation it is brilliant what they did with it yeah yeah it's incredible to see that what they did was like they were like that was possible to achieve Mm. yeah yeah i i agree with that i and i saw it twice i i'm not like i like this movie but I was just like surprised that uh, it won best anime. It just like it didn't necessarily need to be made. No, not at all. And uh, that's where like I don't really understand the point of it other than monetary gain. Speaking of which, it's on Disney Plus right now, so you yeah. can go watch it. Definitely yeah. worth watching. Um, get ready to. My, my favorite thing about that movie though is uh, that they were like, because Don Rickles plays um, Mr. Potato Head, and mm-hmm. he died. Uh, like within like the last year, I want to say probably longer than that, probably about a year and a half, two years ago now. But um, they were like, oh, when he passed away, they were like, oh, don't don't worry, we got all the Don Rickles dialogue recorded for Toy Story Four because that's what we were concerned about. Yeah, well, I I was like, oh, no, I I actually was thinking about that. I was like, oh, sh- oh shoot, like what, what what's gonna happen? And like 
Like, don't worry. And when I watched it, it's like, oh, they got all this dialogue because they only give every side character like one line of dialogue in the entire yep. movie. It's just about Woody and uh, this new character. And I won't say – and another character that I'm not going to spoil. But um, it barely follows anyone outside of Woody and uh, – these two other Forky? Is it Forky? It's Forky. Yeah. Uh, who's funny? He's played by um, Buster Tony, Bluth. Yeah, yeah Tony, Tony Hale. Hale. Yeah. Um, I, I will say uh, that t- uh, oh, Tim Allen has been having some issues lately, uh, and that might be part of the reason why he's not super prominent in this movie. But, uh, yeah, let's go on from there. I'm going to only touch on the major categories right now just so we can start wrapping up a little bit. Uh, so for cinematography, 1917-1, I think it absolutely deserves it. Yeah, it looks like it was a beautiful shot. film. I know you and Sean enjoyed it a lot. Have you yeah. seen it, Tim? Yeah, I saw it. What did you think? Like, quick review. Quick review. Um, it felt like I was watching a Call of Duty mission on screen, but I loved the way it was shot. I, it was very high octane. I thought the score was a bit obnoxious at some points, mm-hmm. but outside of that, I thought it was I thought it was pretty great. Yeah, I want I want to uh, piggyback on that a little bit. The, my one complaint about the movie was, like you said, that it felt like I was watching a third person shoot, like a bad third person shooter at certain yeah. per, certain points. But like, I mean, that's that's what you're gonna get if you make a war movie that's all yeah. one shot. I mean, you're gonna have to do just behind the you know behind your character pushing forward yeah. um but outside of that the cinematography was incredible uh our, our uh, lighthouse was actually nominated for cinematography as well which I'm sure. I'm i kind of wish that. it had one but it, if it had won that would have been crazy so excited yeah uh then costume design little women one yeah great. um directing parasite which was bong deserved Joon-ho. it yep uh, I, I think this man was the most meme thing the day after. Uh, he absolutely deserves every award that he got. Like, oh, 100%. I, I to see this movie because I, I don't do well with horror, so I've been avoiding it. But it, after all these awards, there's no way I can't not see it. You see the picture of him making his two Oscars kiss each other? I did see that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a great man. He's incredibly talented. So I'm very excited to see where his career goes from here. Because it's not like he's had flops before. He's done some pretty good pieces of work. I mean, Paris, Paris, like, I think like a week after Parasite was already being added to the Criterion Collection. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an incredible movie from what I've it's heard. so yeah. good. Yeah. So I'm very excited to check that out. Um, documentary, American Factory. Haven't seen it. I'm sure it's great. Uh, Documentary for a short subject was Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone, which sounds like an incredible title, so I'll have to check it out at some point. Uh, For film editing, Ford vs. Ferrari was the winner. I didn't see it. I haven't seen it either, but the fact that it won for film editing and was better than The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite should probably say a lot about the movie. That's fair. Um, so I'll have to give that a look at some point. And then, of course, best international feature film was Parasite. Oh, yeah. Very deserved. Um, makeup and hairstyling was Bombshell. Haven't really makes seen sense. much of no, it, but makes it makes sense. sense. They all they all look like the exact people that I'm like, yeah, no, that seems like what news anchors would look like outside of the station. And when they're in the station, I'm like, they, it all matches up to yeah. me at least. I am a little shocked that Joker won best original score. Um, I mean, it was competing against. It was pretty good, though. It I was could, good. I could see why, and I think it. I think it makes sense why it won. It was competing against Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, and Star Wars: Rise of the Skywalker. So mm. it beat out John Williams, which is 
pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, I was a little shocked about it. I, I don't know what I th- thought would have won instead, but I mean, good for them. Uh, wasn't expecting that as the win. Uh, music best original song was I'm Gonna Love Me Again by Rocketman and John Elton. Or Elton John, sorry. Um, <laughs> reverse that around, uh, which is a pretty good song. I've actually heard it pretty recently. And then, of course, Best Picture, Parasite. Absolutely deserved it. Uh, production design was Once Upon a Time. We've talked about it already. Not a huge fan, but the costumes were very, very good in that movie. So I think production design and everything about that, like the sets look great. It looked like old yeah. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um then for short film animated, Hair Love, haven't seen it, but I'm sure it was pretty good. Uh, short film live action, The Neighbor Window, same thing. Sound editing, Ford vs. Ferrari won again, which I'm sure makes a lot of sense because it's got a lot of cars. So it's a uh, zoom, zoom, zippy boys. Sure. Uh, but sound mixing was 1917, as was visual effects. All right. So that, I, I, I like that. I like that one a lot. Yeah. yeah. I like it looks like a gorgeous film. I'm sure it sounds incredible. I'm so excited to see it when it's yeah. not in theaters because I don't want to pay for it right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, that looks pretty good. And then the last two uh, writing adapted screenplay was Jojo Rabbit because I think that was a very good movie. I'm, I'm kind of pissed that uh, Greta Gerwig did not win that one. I thought <laughs> Little Women was so well adapted. I thought it was like I honestly thought it was one of the best adapted screenplays i've ever seen and i'm kind of pissed that it didn't get it. i still got to see jojo rabbit but like i'm having a very hard time imagining a world where jojo rabbit was a better adapted screenplay than than little women but i'll have to see it i i know you you yeah, uh, yeah. we're you, not going to talk yeah. on it anymore and then last but not least writing for an original screenplay was parasite because it deserved it so that's everything about the Oscars. Um, I think we're going to wrap up today's episode because we did go a little long, so I apologize for that. Uh, Tim, if you have any shout-outs you would like to give. Uh, Shouts out my mom, my dad, uh, filmmaking in general, the Safdie brothers. Gotta love those guys. Uh, Ari Aster scaring me with uh, Hereditary so badly because I have a nut allergy. Mm. For those who have seen Hereditary, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I'm trying to think of other people that are big, big deals right now. Um, you don't have to shout everything out, Robert, but Robert Altman, why not? I've wanted to watch one of his movies. I'm probably going to watch one today. Hell Good yeah. job, Robert yeah. Altman. Good you job, made a shout Robert. out. Samson. Shout out to Sean who couldn't be here today. RIP. Um, yeah. I love you. Uh, that's a bit of a hot take. I'm not going to say I love you, Sean. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I need to give a dental hygiene shout out because he's not here to do it. So shout out to brushing your tongue. It's a thing you probably should be doing. And if you're not, definitely give it a try. But thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Sean will most likely be here next week. And once again, thank you so much, Tim, for coming on to the podcast. We appreciate you stepping in to fill in his shoes. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great time. Yeah. All right. Uh, Have a good one, everybody, and we'll see you all later. Bye. Bye.